Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hi, I'm Sabrina Steerwalt, and I'm Everyday Einstein, bringing you quick and dirty tips to help you make sense of science. So falling in love seems to be a basic part of human nature. It's universal. We all know what love is, even if we have a hard time defining it or detailing its complexities. And love transcends cultural and societal differences. In a historical study of 166 societies, anthropologist Helen Fisher found evidence that feelings of love existed in 147 of them. Thus, it appears we are not taught that love is important to us, but rather may be born knowing it. But anyone who has ever been in love knows that love is complicated. Being in love can calm you down, but it can also make you anxious. In our attempts to understand how the human brain works, Neuroscientists have studied for decades what the complex mix of emotions we call love does to our brain. Can love cause us to lose focus? Is being in love addicting? And can science weigh in on the question of whether or not love can last? Our brains see love as a reward. In a 2005 study, researchers compared functional MRI images of the brains of 2,500 college students while looking at someone they love relative to looking at an acquaintance. Scientists were thus able to map which regions of the brain are active when a person is experiencing feelings of love. They saw the most activity in two regions associated with seeking and detecting rewards, namely the caudate nucleus and the ventral tegmental area. These regions are also responsible for an increased production of dopamine, the feel-good neurotransmitter. Neurotransmitters are chemicals that pass information from one neuron to the next. In the case of dopamine, that information is a signal to the brain that the person is feeling happy and finds the current activity rewarding. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Love can also be addicting. This increase in dopamine levels can act as a high or even inspire a state of euphoria when around the object of your affection. In an effort to continue that lover's high, you may find yourself wanting to be around the other person all of the time. The part of your brain that processes attraction, often a precursor to love, is known as the opioid center and is, as you may have guessed, the same region responsible for our response to certain addictive substances like opioids, like morphine. 
For example, in one, albeit smaller, study, a group of 30 men were given either small doses of morphine or a dose of an opioid suppressor. Those given the opioid rated attractive faces more highly and spent more time looking at them, suggesting that our brains can be primed to find others attractive by first stimulating the right region of the brain. Also running high in love-addled brains are adrenaline, which can make your heart beat faster and your palms sweaty, and vasopressin, which triggers territorial feelings of loyalty and the need to protect. However, these same feelings of love are found to be linked to lower levels of serotonin, which may seem counterintuitive. Serotonin is another neurotransmitter that, like dopamine, passes along the information that you are happy and feeling rewarded. Serotonin is also linked to cognition, learning, and memory, and lower levels of serotonin are common in people with obsessive-compulsive disorders. And lower levels of serotonin are not only common in people in love, but also those with obsessive-compulsive disorders. So diminishing serotonin levels will increase your desire for your mate, and empirical evidence suggests that they may lead to reduced cognitive control. Reduced cognitive control is just another way of saying you can't control where you focus your attention, similar to OCD. And ever heard the expression, love is blind? This obsession-like concentration on a lover or crush may be the reason your roommate can't seem to see all the red flags that you find so obvious when it comes to her new beau. Finally, long-lasting love has its own chemistry. The kind of love we have described so far is what neuroscientists have labeled passionate love, or love in the early stages. But what about longer-lasting love? Does the chemical imprint left on our brain change as we age and relationships progress? In the later stages of love, serotonin levels are found to increase, and dopamine surges are lowered to more normal levels. This combination means you feel less of the aching desire for your partner, but instead feel a more secure, less anxious happiness. Oxytocin, known as the cuddle hormone, is also produced during close contact and strengthens bonds between partners. Oxytocin is also produced during breastfeeding and skin-to-skin contact with newborns and is responsible for the strong bonds between mother and baby. One study attempted to compare directly the brain activity of couples in newly passionate love with those in loving longer-term relationships, in this case, an average of 21 years of marriage. Again, through functional MRI imaging, researchers determined that looking at a picture of their spouse triggered the same area of the brain in the long-term lovers as those areas activated by feelings of passionate love, namely the ventral tegmental area. So even after 20 years of marriage, science says we can still find our relationship with our spouse to be rewarding, and perhaps even tap into a bit of that dopamine-induced lover's high. Until next time, this is Dr. Sabrina Steerwalt with Everyday Einstein's quick and dirty tips for helping you make sense of science. You can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter where I'm at QDT Einstein. If you have a question that you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com.